0: Well, I wish it wasn't this way, but life is filled with disappointments. At times, life can even be depressing. And you don't even have to get into the, the really difficult things of life to understand what this feels like. I was thinking about those of you who were at home who were Auburn fans. You know, you watch a football game and, and well, it was probably fairly depressing. You probably were very disappointed by, by the game that you saw yesterday. Now, you Georgia fans probably were not, but just wait your time, right? You, you know that it's coming. There are going to be times when, when you're going to be disappointed and, and maybe even depressed, but, but then you start to look ahead. And you start to say, well, you know, this this was bad, but, but I'm looking at our schedule, and, and you've already had these conversations, right? And I can see how we, we've got a real shot at this thing coming up, and this is how all these, how all, all these things are going to work out. And it's, it's that very regular, regular thing where life disappoints us, but yet, but yet even in the disappointment, there's hope. There's that belief that, that there is something better that is coming. Well not everything is about a game and, and, and we know that listen, we, we deal with things such as death disease general disappointment have, have we not dealt with our fair share of death over the last few months that, that's hard to process have we not dealt with disease even as a body in ways that quite honestly I, I just don't think I've ever experienced anything like this i don't i don't like this i I don't want to be where we are but yet that's where we are if we're not careful well we didn't even get into the personal struggles that each one of us deal with from day to day but but if we're not careful the things of life can well they can make us hard They, they they can make us they can make us cynical some of us are, more, are probably more prone to that than others, but I think that we're all prone to that. But, but it's in the midst of the despair, whatever your despair is. And, and I wouldn't make light of anyone's despair. It's in the midst of your despair, of your difficulty, of your trial of life. That more than anything, you, you need hope. You, your situation may not change. But, but you need hope. And as we've been talking about what it means to be a Christian, to, to be a, a, a one who practices radical Christianity, as the banners say behind me, which is really just code for saying biblical Christianity. The, the, the thing that sets a Christian apart from those in this world, it's, it's not the struggles that we do or do not endure. Would not our life, and if not our life, would not the lives of the heroes of the faith in, in the Word of God be enough to convict us of the fact that walking with Christ doesn't mean that we have a get-out-of-jail-free card? It doesn't mean that we're going to walk around with a silver spoon in our, in our, in our mouth as if we don't have the, the, the struggles of life. We do. But we do have something that those outside of Christ do not have. We do have something that those who are outside of Christ might even struggle to understand but so desperately want and need. We have hope. Whatever we face, whether we're talking about the disappointment over a ball game or we're talking about dealing with death itself and everything in between, we are a people of hope. Because we serve a God who brings hope into hopeless situations. I'm always struck by the words in Romans chapter 4 where Paul is writing about Abraham and his situation of not having a child. Some of you know the struggles of conception. Some of you know the struggles of wanting a child and not being able to have a child. Those things are depressing. Those things are difficult. Those things can at times can even be hopeless. That's where Abraham was. And he describes his situation. I like like what, what the New American Standard says here. In hope against hope, he believed. My, my hope is not in one of these situations where I'm pretty sure that, it, that, that I've really got this under control and that if I do a certain set thing that, that I'll be able to figure this out. That, that, that's, that, that's all well and good, but that's not really what he's talking about here. He's talking about those situations where everything within the situation says this is bad. This is not going to change. This is just the way it's going to be and there's nothing you can do about it. It's in those situations where we have hope. In hope against hope, he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which has been spoken, so shall your descendants be. We serve a God who doesn't just bring hope into life. He brings hope into hopeless situations. See, we serve a God who sees things that we don't see. That we, we look from our very limited perspective, but God who sees the entire picture, the entire picture of our life, the entire picture of our world, the entire picture of history, the entire picture even of eternity. I, I don't always see that. I usually don't see that. I strive to. I really do. I, I strive to see the big picture but how often do I miss the big picture? How often do I look back at my life and say, well, you didn't have a clue what was going to happen, Wes. You didn't have a clue what was going on. But yet today I still think I understand everything going on around me. How arrogant would that be? But God who sees something that we don't see. In that great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11... Right. It, it's, it's these all of these amazing men and women who did amazing things by faith and by their faith in God. But in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse one, he says, as he defines faith, he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for or the assurance of things that are hoped for. Those things that you're looking at it's not just this pie in the sky idea that but, but these things that you hope for, they really are real. God really is, and He really is a rewarder of those who seek Him. He really does things in our life and in this world. This is not just some some flighty idea that, okay, we got a nice little message about hope today, and it'll just kind of float around, and that's not what this is. That's not radical hope. That's not biblical hope. The hope that we have, the hope that we're called to, is, is, it's real. I'm telling you, I'm assuring you. God actually is and God actually makes a difference in our lives. For by it the men of old gained approval. How is it that Abraham was able to do what he was able to do? How is it that Moses was able to do or Gideon able to do or any of the great heroes? How are they able to do what they did? Because they didn't just believe in this flighty idea of God or, you know, well, I guess God could do something. They believed that God could and would act to the point, to the point that it changed what they did and even how they felt about their current situation. When you read Hebrews chapter 11 from, from, from that point of view, that it was this hope that led to their faith, that led to their actions, To understand that a Christian is a person who has hope. I I know full well I say that. I say that into the ears of some people who have unspeakable struggles in your life. Some at this moment, but almost all within your history. But I say that we can have hope because there is one thing that is greater than your struggles. And that is our God. It is this hope. It is this hope that we are not alone. When when life gets hard, doesn't it feel like everything just kind of caves in around you? You, you, you ever felt that way? I mean, you you, you think about you, you you think about about Elijah there in First Kings nineteen, and he has this great battle over with the prophets of Baal, and is victorious. But as he comes down off, off of that mountaintop experience, it's not long. It's not long before he's on the run and he says, I'll own him left. I'm the only one. Nobody else cares. You know, nobody else cares about God. Nobody else cares about doing what's right. You, you, you ever feel that way? You, you ever listen to people that give you the impression that they feel that way? And God says, listen. Listen. He says says to the prophet in particular, you're not alone. But even if you were, you wouldn't be alone. I'm with you. I mean, I think one one of the the parts of the Great Commission that we overlook so often there in in Matthew chapter 28 is not just where he tells them to go, but he says, and lo, I am with you always. I mean, isn't it just encouraging? Isn't it powerful? To know that we're not by ourself. I remember, I remember the first time that I ever led singing at a public event. I don't. I've probably told you the story before, but it's, a, it's It just sticks. Have I told you the story? It, it, it sticks out in my mind. I was, I was in charge of the area-wide youth retreat, and I had all, all, my, all my bases covered, you know, the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. It was going to flow just great. I was about 17 years old. I knew everything about everything. But, but it came up that the guy who was going to lead singing, one of my good friends, he said, he, he, had a, he had a sore throat. And he said, I can't lead singing. You, you, you're going to have to lead singing, Wes. Wes. I never led singing in my life. I was terrified. I remember I told him, I said, okay, I'm going to lead singing, but you're going to come and you're going to stand right beside me. And that's how we did it. And it wasn't that he could sing on that day because his throat was all messed up, but I wasn't about to get up there by myself. Now, I I think about that when I think about what God tells us Places like Psalm 34, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. The Lord is near. That we can know those things, that we can draw strength from those things. And he saves such as have a contrite spirit. I, I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what you'll deal with tomorrow, but I want you to know that God has not abandoned you. God hasn't forgotten about you. Listen, when when Lazarus was laying there on his deathbed, when when Lazarus' sisters were were desperate for someone somewhere to come and help and they sent messengers to Jesus that, 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 that the one whom you love is sick, listen, Jesus knew he knew what was going on in Lazarus' in Lazarus's life. He hadn't forgotten about him. He hadn't abandoned him. God was there, even in their midst, doing something, preparing something that they, they could have never truly understood. In those moments of life, may we know that we're not alone. And may we turn to the one who walks with us maybe even more difficult for us to accept, is that good is coming. Good is coming. Paul would say in Romans 8 and verse 28, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I think it's important for us to point out he doesn't say that everything is good. Because there are some things in this life that are not good. There are some things that you're experiencing in this moment that they are not good. Matter of fact, they're evil. They're of Satan himself. I truly believe that. But God, he says, that God works those things together for good. Even the bad things. Even the disappointing things. Even the devastating things. That God takes the mess that we call our life and He makes something glorious come out of it. I hope that you've lived enough life that you've seen that. If you haven't, I look forward to you seeing it even though though I know that in order for you to see it you're going to have to go through some difficulties. Maybe even some difficulties that well, there's a part of me that wishes that you would never have to go through. But it's those things that you learn in that journey about what God has done in our lives that give you faith and hope to understand what He's going to do in our lives. We know this, He says. It doesn't mean that life is easy. It means that we believe that God is going to do something that's beyond our imagination. He works in ways that we don't think about. When you, when you think about people being carried away as captives. When you think about people's family turning their back on them. When, when you think about people losing their fortunes. When you think about people losing their reputation. Th- these, none of these things are easy. You think about death itself, or you think about Jesus on the cross. Listen, all those things that I mentioned, they're not just things in our life, but they're things that we read about in in the lives of the men and women of faith throughout the ages. They're all key components of stories of God's deliverance. Sometimes, I, I I, I wish I knew what God's plan was. Like, okay, I, I get this idea. You're going to take what I'm dealing with here and you're going to cause good to come out of it. And, and there's a part of me that just wants to say, well, God, I, I trust you in those things, but could you please explain this to me one more time? You, you, you ever sit down and you sign, you know, maybe, maybe you're signing paperwork for a mortgage or something like this, and, and they've gone over it. But now, if we could just get a little clarification on page number 14, section C, I just had a question about this, and if you could explain that a little bit better. But God doesn't work that way, does he? Like, I wish he did. So, I mean, like, what, 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 what do you have in mind for, for uh, year 43 for, for the year of Wes, right? I'd kind of like to know that because, you know, 42 really caught me off guard. Uh, there's some things I just was not expecting, and I'd like to have a little heads up. I, I mean, I'm trying to prepare myself, right? I'm going to build a tower. I'm going to prep for building the tower. I can make it biblical if you want me to. Listen, I don't always know the details. But God says it's enough. It's enough to know that he is there and that he is working. That it ought to change my mentality when I'm in the midst of that deep hole to say, okay, I'm kind of excited to see what God's going to do with this. And I'm looking for it. And I'm watching for it. How's God going to take this no good, terrible, good-for-nothing, bad, rotten thing that I'm dealing with right now. How is God going to make something positive come out of this to his glory? You have that thought the next time that, 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 that you're down. right? Because By the way, I don't always know the answer to that. I don't usually know the answer to that. But as I begin to look for it, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to begin to see it. It's going to change me. And as I see that, as I see that, it will increase my dependency and my understanding of God. I think about things in my life that have been devastating to me. I mean, like, you know, sit on the couch, cry like a baby type of stuff, right? I mean, like this, I want to go crawl in a hole somewhere. I've got stuff like that. You've got stuff like that. Now, some of them, I I still, I don't know, and I still struggle with, but I'm going to tell you that most of those events in my life, I look back at and I say, wow, that thing that I thought was the end of the world changed everything. I just couldn't see it in the moment. I'm going to tell you, I I need to think about those things because the next time I get in one of those situations, it's like, well, God has worked in my life before. Let's see what he does with this. We're talking about a God who takes the worst day in the history of the world, the day that his son died, and he turns that into the greatest day in the history of the world. It's the great paradox But I'm just going to tell us if we will dwell upon it, it will make the paradox that we seem to experience in our life so much more tenable. Of course, there is that eternal hope, right? We're not just talking about hope for the sake of hope. We're talking about hope that is unique to the children of God, even as they face death itself. You read Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, and they were concerned about the same things that we were concerned about. Well, what about this brother? What about this sister? What, what, what about this loved one who's passed on? Even in our Bible class this morning, right, we, we were talking about these things and, and how, how difficult they can be. And he writes to them about the loss of, of a Christian, and he says, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. I don't want you to be uninformed concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He doesn't say we shouldn't be sorrowful. We obviously should, but but to sorrow with hope, to grieve with hope. You, you, you can say goodbye to me, but listen, don't, don't you dare do that without hope. Don't, don't you dare do that without hope. Now, if that can't be said about you in your life, that's why you need Christ in your life. But if you have Christ in your life, listen, I don't have to even have to fear death itself. Some of the greatest testimonies to faith I have ever seen in my life, they're, they're these monumental moments that they've been from men and women who have faced death. And they have faced it, not, not in a masochistic sort of way, but in a, in a way filled with hope. Listen, I don't want to leave this and that, but, but I do want to go to be with the Lord. So it's going to be okay. That that statement doesn't make a lot of sense to people in the world, but it should make all the sense in the world to the child of God. That eternal hope. That eternal hope that comes from Christ. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, you, you, you know this. We we talk about this first, but I just want us to think about it for a moment. First Peter 3, he he says, Sanctify Christ in your hearts. Always being ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, with gentleness or meekness and fear. It's one of those verses that I'm, I'm just convinced we just kind of rip it out of rip it out of, of, of what's going on there, and. I'm not not saying we don't need to study our Bibles or be ready to answer Bible questions, but this is about a whole lot more than you being able to tell me what Isaiah chapter 9 is about. I don't know if you can do that or not, okay? But this is about a whole lot more than that. This is about you being able to explain to someone why you have hope. That's what makes a Christian different. See, we live in the midst of a hopeless world. We live in a hopeless world that is filled with suffering. It always has been filled with suffering. It always will be. But, but the problem is that suffering, that suffering beats down everyone in the world. But Christians ought to shine as light in darkness because they actually have hope when no one else has real hope. And people ought to look and say, why, wh- why are you dealing with this differently than others? I mean, you've lost your job just like everyone else. I mean, you're you're having you're having family struggles just like everyone else. You're 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 dealing with with disease just like everyone. You're 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 facing death just like everyone else. But but you don't seem to be responding like everyone else. Now that ought to make me stand back and say, "Well, well, is that true? Do I respond like everyone else?" Or do I have hope against hope? Do I have hope when the whole world seems to be saying there is no hope? In those moments when a loved one dies. In those moments when we, maybe we don't know what we're going to eat. When our past has caught up with us or a great leader has, has left us. When our lives are threatened or, or we, listen, the context of First Peter, when we're suffering for doing what is right. To be able to say, you know, this is bad. I'd be foolish to not admit it. But this is not the end of the story. We have hope. We have hope in this life. We have hope in this present situation and we have hope in eternity. Let me tell you why I have hope. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Friends, that's the Christian life that I'm fairly certain we need more of and that the world is desperate for. Pray with me, please. Dear God, you are a great, great God. You are a God who has power when we have no power. You have wisdom when we are filled with nothing but our own foolishness. You have plans when we, when we are at a loss for the directions that we ought to go. And Lord, because of that, we honor you as one who is worthy of our honor and as we walk with you, Lord, we have hope, not in ourselves, but we have hope that cannot be taken away because it is based in you. Lord, help us to be a people who think about these things. Help us to be a people who make choices about our actions and our words based upon these things. Help us be a people who have hope in the midst of a hopeless world so that people may see you in a world that is lost. And may they be drawn to the true source of hope everlasting. Lord, we ask that you would be with those who are struggling. Lord, we ask that you would, well, Lord, we ask you would take away their pains. But Lord, if not, For reasons we don't understand, we ask that you would strengthen them and help them to have hope, a hope that will bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.